Welcome everyone to Courtside, a discussion of legal issues, ideally legal issues that don't involve Donald Trump. But this week, like many weeks, he's taken over once again. The impeachment trial, the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump starts on Tuesday. We have right now only a few details. Uh, we know that there's a debate about witnesses and the like. But this has been, by all respects, a kinetic impeachment proceeding. If you think about it, January 6th was just a month ago, and he's already been impeached by the House, and we're starting a trial on Tuesday. And while we don't know exactly what to expect, there are some things you can expect. You can expect a fast-paced video presentation. This is going to be a prosecution for the social media age. And I think that the House managers looked back on that long, fusty presentation last time, which was phenomenal. I don't mean to disregard it, but it was a little dated. And I think we're going to see something pretty different here. Now, one real challenge that this impeachment proceeding faces, which is different than the last time, or frankly, than almost anything else, is just how hurtful it is to think about the events of January 6th. You know, even just it's hurtful to think about Donald Trump. The last two mu two weeks have been so peaceful and it's hard to go back to the pre-January 20th era. And there's a lot of repression about Trump and a lot of repression about January 6th. It's just frankly hard for us to think about. And the challenge for the prosecutors, the House managers, will be forcing Americans to confront what has already happened instead of just moving on. The truth is we can't move on from something like January 6th. If we tried to repress it, it would come out in all sorts of ugly ways later. So it's an inevitable and just thing to do, but it's also a painful one. And I think that is going to be one of the challenges that the House managers, those prosecutors, those, uh, you know, handful of people, House of Representatives folks that Nancy Pelosi picked to prosecute the case. I think that's going to be their challenge. Now, the data on this shows that when people reflect on this more, it does lead them to be more and more anti what Donald Trump did. And more people are moving toward convicting Donald Trump and barring him from future office holding. 56% in a poll out this morning by ABC and The Washington Post. And those same folks, ABC and The Washington Post, did a poll the year before with the Ukraine impeachment and found only 47% of people supported impeachment then. And it's quite hard to ignore, if you're a U.S. senator, a 56% number like that. And it's also quite hard for you to ignore, if you're a U.S. senator, someone like diehard conservative Liz Cheney. Now, look, I never thought I'd see the day when I'd be saying kind things about Liz Cheney. Um, not just, I mean, she went after me. It's, you know, lots of people go after me. That's fine. But she went after me for something totally unjust and wrong. Uh, as I think some of you know, I represented uh, a detainee at Guantanamo. It was my very first Supreme Court case, actually. And we uh, won. And we established the idea that the Geneva Conventions apply to the war on terror and those Guantanamo military tribunals uh, should be struck down. Um well, she couldn't handle that and thought that, you know, that was so anti-America and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, look, I won this in a conservative uh, Supreme Court. I won it five to three, but I know she had her wounds to lick. And for years afterwards, she called me basically a member of Al Qaeda, going so far as when I ran, when I went, entered into the Justice Department, she called me and six others the Al Qaeda seven, seven people who were working for Al Qaeda at the Justice Department. 
which is ridiculous. But in any event, look, I think the important point here, that's a long digression. The important point here is I give credit where credit is due. Our democracy is about far more than anyone's feelings being hurt or anything like that. And today I want to single her out for a lot of praise. On Fox News this morning, Chris Wallace asked her about Trump. Here's what she said. What we do know What we do know constitutes the gravest violation of his oath in office by any president in the history of the country. We have to take a really hard look at who we are and what we stand for and what we believe in. I think that when you look at Trump's actions leading up to January 6th, he was impeached in a bipartisan fashion. The fact that he lost the presidency, the fact that we lost the Senate, we have to be in a position where we can say we stand for principles, for ideals. That's Liz Cheney. So clear. So right. And this is what Donald Trump's going to have to face in the next week or so over his trial. Now, there's still a lot of squabbling over the rules, whether there'll be witnesses and so on. The one thing we do know is that Donald Trump is refusing to testify. Donald Trump is quite literally a scaredy cat. If you or I were accused of something as horrific as fomenting the violence on January 6th, do you think that we would be like, you know, running off in Florida and playing golf? Of course not. We do everything possible to clear our name, but not this guy. He pulls every shenanigan in the book to avoid saying anything under oath. Now, look, as a, as a lawyer, I would advise him to say nothing because he is a serial liar. And, you know, you know that if he goes up on the stand, he's going to lie. So I don't know. You think like maybe Twitter, instead of, you know, banning his account, uh, you know, could have just made him post stuff under oath. That would have shut him up just as much and been a lot simpler for Jack Dorsey. In any event, I do think this whole episode about Trump refusing to testify is very good for the House managers. It demonstrates, look, we gave you a chance. We wanted you to clear your name and you were just afraid. Look, this is the one time that I ever wanted to hear Donald Trump speak. And instead, He spends his time sending his IMDB page to the Screen Actors Guild, uh, bragging about his, you know, shows and stuff like that. He's fine trying to clear his name with SAG, the student, excuse me, the, the, the Actors Guild, but he's fine talking to them, but he's not fine talking to the American people about January 6th. He's scared to be under oath. Now, I think we'll also hear a lot in this impeachment trial about Trump's so-called First Amendment defense. His lawyers are claiming it left and right already. They claim he is a passionate public speaker, and that's all he was doing. And they say, if you do this, you're criminalizing the speech of presidents, and that'll set a bad precedent. Give me a break. We've had 200 plus years of presidents. We've never had a president who's facing his second impeachment because of his speech. You know, and, you know, this such a thing has never happened. And it's just part of Trump's insane position, which is he's just above the law. He can do anything, say anything. It doesn't matter. He was on notice. Gabe, Scher- Gabe Sterling said this back uh, on December 1st, the Georgia official saying, Mr. President, you better be quiet. You better call this off. Otherwise, someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. And that's exactly, unfortunately, what happened. And Trump thinks that he's just above it all. He's almost like, you know, what we call in law school, you know, sovereign immunity, the idea that the king can do no wrong goes all the way back to George III. It turns out in America, we have a very different legal system, but not, I think, according to Donald Trump. Now, one 
thing that I think the real kind of key move the Republicans have made, and this is what I want to spend the rest of our time together on, is this idea that a, a former official cannot be impeached. This is kind of the doppelganger of a sitting official can't be criminally tried, which was the last thing they ran to, you know, get out of Trump's other due other legal difficulty or some of his other legal difficulties. But this is the idea that because Donald Trump is no longer in office, he can't be impeached. Now, I've talked about in the past why I think that's wrong, uh, just as a matter of precedent, as a matter of text. The Constitution has a express provision for a lifetime ban on future office holding and the like. And I also want to point out that McConnell has said that this is wrong. Not Mitch McConnell, the other McConnell, Michael McConnell, the very prominent former conservative judge, uh, put on the court by George W. Bush, who's saying, look, even if you think that this is right, that a former official can't be impeached, Trump was a sitting official when the impeachment started in the House of Representatives. So he calls the whole thing nonsense. But look, the reason why the Republicans are glomming onto this is not because they like, you know, care about the Constitution. No, they're trying to avoid taking a vote on the merits and standing with or against Donald Trump for what he did on January 6th and in the weeks leading up to it. That's what all this is about. The technical legal term for this is a dodge. That's what he's, that's what the members, of, the Republican members in the Senate are trying to do. They're trying to say, I don't have to decide this question because it's not, I don't have jurisdiction to decide it. And it's really interesting because we go back and look at the Philadelphia Convention in 1787. There was a reason why impeachment wasn't put in the courts of law and put into the Congress. It's because they said Congress is politically accountable. We want our representatives to basically be held to account for the decisions they make, the votes they make on impeachment and conviction. And so we need a mechanism to deal with this because right now, these Republican members are shirking their duty. They're trying to avoid telling you, the American people, how they feel. Well, fortunately, our legal system has developed exactly such a tool, and it's called a special verdict, and it happens at the end of a jury trial. And you don't just sometimes ask, is the defendant guilty or innocent? You ask more specific questions and then ultimately lead up to that question. So the jury has to decide individual things first. And that's what I think should happen in this impeachment trial. So first question about whether or not a sitting president can be, excuse me, a former president can be impeached and contrived. Fine. Have that. Republicans vote however they want. Separate question. Is, ja is Donald Trump guilty of the events on January 6th, putting the legal arguments about former officials to one side? That's our right as Americans to know how our senators, the people we vote for, what they think about January 6th, something so momentous. This isn't like, you know, what day, you know, National Chocolate Day should be or something like that. This is the, one of the most serious issues facing our country. And there are only two sides to this. There's a yes and a no. And every senator should answer that simple question. That's what I hope will happen over the next several days. So that's courtside for tonight. I will see you. Uh, next Sunday. Happy Super Bowl, whoever you're voting for. See you then.